I wanted to speak uh, today about how God builds, sustains, and restores the church, and more specifically, the churches, including ours. I don't think that anyone will deny that the so-called pandemic has hit us pretty hard, and we are still recovering. In addition to COVID, which is still around, of course, we have been troubled by other illnesses, injuries, deaths, and changes of circumstances. To put it bluntly, the Lord has been challenging us. And I want to be clear about one thing. I'm not being critical or second-guessing anybody or anything. I'm trying to be positive by showing from the scriptures that the pattern that God uses to make his church what it wants it to be is presented to us. Of course, this begins with the gospel, which Paul so fully set out as he spoke to the synagogue congregation in Pisidian Antioch. The gospel is always the starting point. To paraphrase a line from Field of Dreams, if we preach it, they will come. They will come for the truth and the hope and the life found in the gospel. But note that in verse 43, that Paul and Barnabas tell the believers that they must continue in the grace of God. And we're all about continuing, are we not? Many of you are familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11, which we read earlier. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, we often take this uh, individually, which we are allowed to do, But God was speaking to a nation of exiles and refugees who had known nothing but disappointment for years and who faced even more years of uncertainty. Nevertheless, this is a good verse for anyone who is concerned about the future. So here are my four points supported by scripture from other places also in the book of Acts. His providences, and I made that plural rather than singular. I could have just said his providence, but there are many particulars that uh, we have to consider. But his providences, secondly, our vision, thirdly, his project, and lastly, our labor. So you have his and ours, his and ours. We begin with uh, his providences, or that is his arrangement of circumstances, For example, when the Apostle Paul came to Corinth, uh, there were lots of challenges there, uncertainties, oppositions. Uh, But the Lord appeared to the Apostle and said, uh, don't be discouraged. Don't think of going anywhere else because I have much people in this city. And in that simple phrase, you see some of the providences of God that applied not only to Paul's situation there in Corinth, but to, to our situation as well. First, there were the people, there was a place, there was culture, there was a need. 
And all of those things God had put into place even before the apostle arrived there. The people, the population of Corinth was a very mixed group, but largely an ungodly population. There was all kinds of selfishness and wickedness of revenge and problems of momentary satisfaction and long-term ill will and sorrow. The population of Corinth was there. And God sent Paul and said, here, I know this place. I've been involved with this place. I've been disappointed in this place. My wrath is directed toward this place. But I want you to know that I have a plan for Corinth. But it's all there for you. And then there was Claudius. Now, Claudius did not live in Corinth. But Claudius was the emperor. And maybe some of you remember that uh, PBS program some years ago, I, Claudius, which I think was a book also, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Claudius had uh, kicked all the Jews out of Rome, and among them were Aquila and Priscilla, and they had ended up in Corinth. Well, this is the providence of God. It was his providence that Claudius should come to Rome, that certain conditions there made him feel the need to get rid of the Jews, and that brought Aquila and Priscilla to Corinth. And then this couple themselves were of the same work or, or occupation that uh, Paul was familiar with. Uh, they worked with leather. They made tents and other leather items. And uh, this drew them together. And then there was uh, Timothy and Silas, who were Paul's companions there. And uh, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, who became interested in the gospel. What I'm saying is that, uh, that people are the people that God wants to be where they are. Uh, the people that are here, we who are part of this congregation, the people around us, they're the people that God has put in place. And uh, God doesn't say, well, you can't bring anybody else or you can't be interested in any other people. But he says, do realize that this is part of my providence to bring people together, to minister together, to be ministered to and even to send forth into the world. So the, the first of his providences, let us say, is people. There's lots of people that God has here ready for us, ready for our attention. COVID or no COVID, uh, occupational changes or no occupational changes. Uh, the people that are here are the people that God wants us to work with. Then there's place. Corinth was a great crossroads city because it was uh, on an isthmus where there was a sea on one side and a sea on the other side, and people crossed it to, to take shortcuts. Uh, there was a lot of traffic. There was a lot of business. Uh, there was business that had begun in other places and was carried on through Corinth and then went on to someplace else, and there, there was business that started in Corinth. As uh, these sailors and businessmen passed through, uh, People would say, uh, come, come listen to me, listen to the things that I do and see if this is not a place you want to invest or uh, a place that you might want to settle. Uh, the place was there. God had put it there. The Isthmus had been there uh, basically from the, the earliest days of the world. I don't know what God did in the days of the flood and, and so forth, but the Isthmus was there and God had put it there. And so it was a place of commerce. It was a place of travel. It was a place of religion. It was a place of philosophy. 
all kind of mixed together. And uh, God said to the apostle, it's there for you. Don't think of going anywhere else. In my providence, this is where I've brought you and this place together. And may I say to you today that uh, it's not all that different from Orange County and Los Angeles and Southern California, a place of commerce and travel and visitors and coming and going and investment and uh, de-investing and all kinds of things are going on here. And uh, we need not say, oh, that was a, a very interesting place back there in history somewhere. It's right here. It's right now among us. And we're to deal with it. God brought us here as he brought Paul there at that time. And there was the culture. Uh, this is Greece. Now, it's not Athens. It may not be the, the capital of deep thinkers and so forth. But it, uh, it is a place of Greek life. And Greek life influenced many people. In Palestine, there were those who were called Hellenists. Why? Because they loved Greek life. They loved Greek culture. And they wanted more of it. And they, they even brought it uh, to some extent into the Jewish religion, though it was uh, condemned, and rightly so. Uh, nevertheless, uh, Greek life was in its fullness there in Corinth. Uh, there was Greek food. Now, you may laugh and say food. But how much of our lives is built around food? Uh, so much of the food of the Mediterranean was influenced by Greek cooking, Greek food. And that spread throughout the eastern Mediterranean and, and much further than that. Uh, there were international amusements, uh, mostly ungodly amusements, immoral things. Uh, Corinth was well known as Sin City in its day. And there was crime, and I think we know something about that. And there was, or were, I'll make it plural, there were empty hearts, empty hearts. People who wanted to be fulfilled, who thought their ships and their goods and their entertainments and their food and their life would really make them happy, but it wasn't making them happy. And God says, in my providence... I've brought together those kinds of people in this Greek culture in many things that are pleasant and enjoyable and, and fully lawful, but they're not used in the right way and, and they're not appreciated and understood as gifts from God. And I've brought you here to deal with that. And then, of course, there, there was a need, uh, building on what we just said about the emptiness of people's lives. Uh, th there was a need of the gospel. Uh, Paul was not the only Christian. There was Aquila and Priscilla that we've mentioned, but, but Paul was the great preacher. And he was the one who, who had that gift from God to bring power and teaching into Corinth, whether it was among the Jews or the Gentiles. There was the need of the gospel. God says, I've given you this gift and you are to preach it. And if you preach it, they will come. There was a need of godliness. As we said, it was a very immoral place. There was a need of truth. There were all sorts of teachers and people who were saying, you know, come to my little meeting and come to my group and then you'll be fulfilled. But it wasn't the truth. Uh, this was a place, obviously, where, where getting ahead and being important was a, a great uh, matter. And the fact was that people weren't very kind. And people did not show mercy. 
And God says, I, I want to raise up a people there who will be kind. They'll stand in contrast to the rest, but they'll be kind and merciful. And when uh, the temptation comes to be vengeful and to get back at people, there'll be those who say, God forgave me. and I'll forgive too. Generally, this was a place that needed renewal. And God says, I'll, I'll bring that about through the gospel, through the church. Again, may I emphasize to you that we're not that much different. We're in a different location. But the need here is just as great. This is a great cultural place, but people need the Lord. You know that song. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. Oh, when will we understand? People need the Lord. That's where we are. This is God's providences. I don't know what what brought you here, why you're here, how long you'll stay. But I know in God's providence, this is the place that providence has brought you. Well, that's our first point. Then there's our vision. God's providence, but our vision. Psalm 20, verse 4. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. Now, you see, that that tells us right away that we need God's vision, but to make it our vision. There are plans, I think, in in all of us for in gathering of souls. Yeah, we want to to gather in Christians who need a place to worship, Christians who, who want the fellowship and so forth. But we want to see people saved. God sent Paul to Corinth because he wanted people saved. He had much people, he says, in this city. Not already saved, but people who will be saved. Plans for evangelism. What's the vision of our church? Oh, we've been hit by COVID. Oh, people have moved away. There's so much uh, that we have to overcome. And God says, well, then win souls. Bring people to hear the gospel. Plans for relationships, friendships. It said of David and Jonathan that their hearts were knit together. Has not God given us a vision? Can we not see we need our hearts knit together? Plans for renovation and expansion. You say, oh, that's worldly. And yet, we see that uh, in Corinth anyway, and here in the, in the book of Acts in Pisidian Antioch, there were, there were crowds of people. And as they said, come back again next Sabbath. And as they said, we want you to stay and we want you to teach us more. I think Paul kind of scratched his head and said, where are we going to put all these people? Where are they going to sit? Where are they going to stand? Well, you may say, we got plenty of empty pews here. We don't need to worry about that. Yeah, But we should. We should say, we want our church to be so filled to overflowing that we have to expand. That we have to renovate. That we have to do what we can to accommodate the crowds. Do you have a vision? you have that vision? God said that should be our vision. Plans for revival and spiritual power. In... uh, Acts 4, 31, 
the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that your vision today? Is it the vision of our church? To see the place shaken. I don't care if there's three people or 300 people, that it be shaken, that there be renewal and revival in the work of the Spirit of God. Well, that's our vision. His providence, now combined with our vision. Now, back again to him, his project. Think back when uh, Peter was sent to speak to Cornelius. And Cornelius said, well, he said, I was just in, in prayer one day, not, not quite sure where I was spiritually. But an angel of God came in and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius said, well, what? And God said, I have a project. Well, I'm ready, Lord. He said, not yet. You've got to send some men down to Caesarea to get Peter to come back here and to give you some instruction. It's a project, Cornelius, but it's well worth the effort. Well, I'll have to pay those men to go down there. Well, you send them down there. And they'll bring back Peter. And then the project will get underway. And it will be such a project that you'll have to go to Jerusalem and explain it. Because the people will say, what are you doing messing with Gentiles? And going to them. And Peter's going to say, well, God has a project. It wasn't my project. I was sitting on my, my uh, roof thinking about fried chicken. And God said, no, here, Peter. Here's a vision of a, of a sheet coming down with all kinds of things. And it may not be what you thought it was going to be, but I've got a project. I've got a project, Peter. Now, you see, he is already at work as God. He was already at work in Cornelius before Peter ever heard about it. But God is already at work, dear friends, in Westminster and Fountain Valley and Huntington Beach and Garden Grove and who knows where else. God is already at work. God has his project. He just says, uh, now you get involved. He's opened doors that we have yet to find. In uh, 1 Corinthians 16.9, Paul says, For a wide door for effective work has opened to me. I tell you, friends, those doors are out there. And the doors are opened. And God says, find the door and go through it. Find the door and be a part of this project. God has selected the servants that he will use in his projects. When uh, Paul and Barnabas were about to go out and ended up there in Pisidian Antioch where we were reading, we read that the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And Barnabas and Saul said, Huh? Me? You want me to go, Barnabas, to go? God says, Yes. I have selected servants for my project and my project is to take the gospel to the whole world, and you're going to start it off. God has selected servants that he will use, and friends, that's us. 
And he's written a message to be proclaimed. He doesn't say go out and think up something to say. And that's why we read that long passage in Acts where Paul went through the whole thing and essentially said, here's what God has done and this is what people need to know about. He has written the message to be proclaimed. In Acts 17, verse 2, it says, Paul reasoned with them out of the scriptures. So that's the message. You can't say to the Lord, uh, I don't have the tools. I'm not sure what the plan is. God says, here it is. Take it and speak it forth. Are you willing to accept that the Lord has a project and that he wants Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church to be right at the heart of that project? Last thing, it's our labor. His project, but our labor. Our labor is alongside the Lord, 1 Corinthians 3, 9. For we are laborers together with God. God's a supervisor, yes, but he's a hands-on supervisor. Our labor is alongside of the Lord. Our labors begin with prayer. And I know there are people that say, all I can do is pray. That's fine. That's where it starts. Our labors begin with prayer. Never doubt that prayer is work, however. Prayer is something you have to work at. You have to make time for it. You have to labor over it, sweat over it, plead with God over it. Prayer, that's our labor in his project. Our labors will include our workday jobs and our means of making money because it takes money. Does God need money? No, he doesn't need it. But he, he involves us. This is your labor, he says. Go and make money and then go on vacation somewhere and spend it all there. <laughs> of course not. He says, take what I've given you, use it in the church, Use it for the needs of the church, the workers in the church, the things that are needed in the church, the outreach of the church. That's your labor. When you go to your job, when you go to your work, I know you want to say, well, I'm, I'm working in the week so that I can go to church on Sunday and, and be spiritual in that way. And God says, no, you're working for me. You're working for the project. Don't keep it all to yourself. I'll give you what you need. I'll give you vacations and cruises and fun and all that. But... You're working in the project. Our laborers will mean calling on people or at least supporting those who do. For you're not going to fill these pews if you don't say anything. And my grandfather was about the greatest salesman that I can remember. He could sell anything. And he never lacked a job because he was such a good salesman. But you've got to sell. Now, I don't mean that you have to be persuasive in the sense of fooling people or anything like that. I just mean that you've got to make contacts. And if that's not what you're gifted in, then you need to support those who do. Just get on your knees and pray for those who reach out to others. Christ is building his church. And he's utilizing our labors to do it. So just again, consider his providences, but our vision. Consider his project, but our labors.
And that's how we need to approach the future. But remember, and I've titled the message this, the Lord said, I will build my church. I will. And we can thank God that he will not fail to do it. And he will not fail to do it through us. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this challenge today. Thank you that in spite of all the the troubles and difficulties and disappointments and things that we've seen, you are going forward with your building, your project, your laborers, all that you intend to accomplish. Help us just to wake up and see what's happening and to be a part of it consciously and prayerfully. And then, Lord, may we celebrate together as you do wonderful and mighty things through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.